hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s. It's Cofield and Company. College football weekend is upon us. In fact, it's, I mean, really upon us because at Allegiant tonight, we got UNLV and San Jose State going at it. Michael Felder, stadium, college football expert here is with us. Um, before we get into any of the college football, man, I saw a moment, and we blew this uh, a couple weeks ago, but I think I have it right this time. I saw a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Felder moment almost unfold on social media. I saw you making wings. Uh, for <laughs> folks who don't know, Felder's a big foodie. He's making wings, and they look great. And then someone dropped in a reference to something about an air fryer and i was like no don't claim that that was out of an air fryer this is gonna get ugly yeah i um i've been doing these smoked wings i've been trying to i want to smoke 100 iterations of chicken that includes wings whole bird the whole meal but um i want to do that for the year i decided to do that the start of march and i'm I'm at 70 right now 71 nice and so we're getting there but someone just hopped in and was like oh air fryer makes the best wings i like these from costco and it was like frozen chipotle buffalo <laughs> wings or something i was like yeah that's not we're not and i thought i handled it pretty diplomatically you did, you did but said, I, I knew that i knew the rage was brewing i knew there were some uh, uh, yes, anger management yeah. moments there having having interacted for a while having worked together for a while you do know that underneath the surface there is this monster waiting to get out and while i said to while i said publicly i just don't think we're doing the same thing but i appreciate yeah. the advice <laughs> My wife is looking at me like, you shouldn't be this mad about this. But I was. I yeah. mean, I I don't know. When you spin, you know, I like I, I cut up my own wings. I don't buy the drumettes. I cut up my own wings. I like them better that way. I do the, my own rub. I create my own glaze. Like, I'm none of this is coming out of a box or a bag, let alone a, a, a bag of frozen wings that you put in an air fryer. It's different. We're different. We're not built the same. Let's transition with the monster theme. Uh, why exactly is a national championship winning coach gone 21 months later, Ed Orgeron out at LSU? Well, I think there's a couple different things. Obviously, the issues with his wife led to the divorce, and then that leads to him being a little reckless, a monster, if you will. <laughs> um, and then on the field, uh, just not being very good. Uh, this is a team I know they're without their top two corners, and then you throw in the, the loss of uh, Boutte recently. and But they were still able to score 49 against Florida, so something was kind of clicking. But I think at the end of the day, the reason he's gone is – well, we've talked about this before. He probably shouldn't have been the head coach in the first place. And they have to fire him now because if he has what – if, what if he has two more of these Florida games, right? Then they're going to be saying we shouldn't get rid of this guy. And I think that's the big issue here is it's the same thing with USC where you, you you can't a guy that you've decided that you do need to fire. You can't give them the opportunity to win that job back. We saw it happen at LSU before. We've seen it happen. Obviously, at, it happened at West Virginia with Bill Stewart, um, someone that you probably maybe shouldn't have hired that you shouldn't hire. They get an opportunity to try to win that job. He didn't. Ed Orgeron is a guy who didn't coach the bowl game at USC because they didn't give him the job. So he's. He, he, He's been in this position before. I think that realistically the goal for him is going to be whose defensive line is he going to coach if he wants to get back into coaching. Why is he being allowed to coach out the season? And why the full buyout at $17 million? It feels like, hey, Ed, walk away and uh, be quiet about it, bro. Yeah, I think there's a couple different things on the level here. Uh, there's a couple things at play. One, um, 
him and Orgeron having, like, you know, realistically dirt, uh, especially on some of the Title IX things and the investigation things, investigative things that they've got going on at LSU. Uh, but also, he's a, he's a good soldier, right? Like, he's a guy who loves LSU, wants to be at LSU, so they don't want to do him wrong. They're not going to sit here and try to – this isn't the same thing as, you know, other coaches who are just, like, leaving. And so he's not – there's no fight from this. Him acquiescing to the idea of, hey, I'll just um, – I'll, I'll walk – yes, you're right. I'll walk away. It's a bad situation. That's another element of it. And then, obviously, probably um, – and, and, and look, full disclosure, I'm someone who – I went through this with John Bunning at UNC. They didn't agree to a release, but they got rid of him at the end of the start of November, end of October. And he stayed through the season because he really still loved being a part of that football program. I wouldn't be surprised to see Ed Orgeron be around that program in a different capacity, whether that's working at admin or something. He's a great recruiter and he's a great ambassador for the program, but he's not someone that you need coaching that football program. So he's getting 17 mil, which is a whole different yeah. discussion, you know, with uh, the kind of money that's thrown around for uh, him yeah. and Malzahn. And um, in a way, it's kind of gross. But you know what? The yeah. SEC is just it's weird, man. And I got to tell you, last week, the, the Tennessee Lane Kiffin thing, like I'm so desensitized. It's it's actually kind of sad. I'm like, yep, that's the SEC. But what happened with objects being thrown and fans unruliness is just completely ridiculous. Uh, ridiculous is a really nice way to put it because I think it's disgusting. And I'm not going to sit here and say that it's just the Tennessee thing or just an SEC thing. Cause remember one of the photos of the week is the Purdue lineman drinking a beer that Iowa fans threw at him on the field. So fans are throwing some fans are fan, And I talked about this on the, the power hour uh, for the athletic fans have just be, they've gotten buck wild and we see it. We've, we've seen it in the last couple of seasons of Michigan, Versus Ohio State, we've seen people throw stuff on the field. We've seen, obviously, with Tennessee, I had multiple people text me, most old teammates and, like, teammates' wives. One of my teammates' wives text me and was like, this reminds me of when we played Tennessee in the Music City Bowl in 2010. They did the same crap. And I was like, oh, man, I forgot about that. But, yes, absolutely. So, it, it, in the acute form, it's absolutely a Tennessee problem. I don't think that the SEC went hard enough at them. And I think one of the micro things to take away from this situation is watching Lynn Kiffin walk off the field with the, the, the state trooper escort and watching the state trooper duck down as things are being thrown at them. And it, you kind of realize, like, these guys aren't Secret Service agents. Right. And, but they also, as law enforcement officers that are trained to evaluate and understand the gravity of situations and all those things like they recognize that the situation is untenable because if those fans wanted to be on the field they could yep and the show pros guys i don't know what you guys call them the event staff we always had show pros when i was in uh, north carolina those people are just they're just like teachers and like nurses that are like picking up an extra shift of this job that pays like $17 an hour. They do it on the weekend. It's supposed to be easy. Those are not people that are going to stop a hundred thousand people from getting on the field. Yep. And there's those moments where you realize the gravity of the situation where it's like, Oh, if, if these a hundred thousand people, if these 35,000 people, if these 50,000 people decided they're coming down here, 
there's nothing we can do about it. And that was the moment that we had in the Tennessee game. What's going to happen with this Alabama-Tennessee game? Can Alabama, you know, bring it every week where they're just going to smash people? It's 25 and a half. And I'll tell you, one of the big bets that's going down all over the country, people love betting Alabama to come out quick and pound the opponent and lay the points in the first half. Is Alabama just going to roll the rest of the regular season slate? I think there's a good chance that that happens. I am very curious to see uh, who's healthy for Tennessee. That's going to be another interesting element of it. But they their offense cooks. And so – and I think Hypel is someone who's going to push Alabama or going to at least try to push. And Lane Kiffin tried to push, and it obviously didn't work out. And then AM tried to push, and it did work out. Uh, Alabama did something last week that I found really interesting and really exciting, which was they it, – it looked essentially like Nick Saban said, we're going to play cover two, we're going to play cover four, and you guys are going to have to talk to each other to make this work. And they communicated this is the best communication they've had all season long. And obviously they played Mississippi state. They, they weren't playing, you know, world beaters, but I think they're starting to get the idea of what he wants them to do defensively. And I think that becomes a big problem because um, Tennessee hasn't faced the defense like this. And obviously we know they're going to play Georgia down the line, but certainly this is a, an, an interesting situation for them to be in where their offense has been, they haven't lost a game because of their offense. They lost because they can't get stops, and then you flip that thing over, and Bryce Young's pretty good. So we'll see <laughs> yeah. what happens. They have a ton of motivation to also post massive scores because if they get to the SEC title game and they lose a close game to Georgia, uh, I might still make an argument that a two-loss Alabama team should get in over any one-loss team. You know, all those teams that are unbeaten have to get the one loss, but Alabama's sure. got the motivation. they got to put up points. Yeah, they do. they got, they got to score points. they got to make it look good. Completely fascinated by – how Washington State reacts. I feel bad for the kids. I don't understand why Rolovich, you know, makes make a statement, just walk during the summer, let someone else take over the program. BYU's in town, a pretty good BYU team. BYU's lost a couple in a row. Yep. I just wonder, you know, if it's going to be rally around the assistants that are left for the Washington State players. Yeah, I think there's going to be some rally around, around coaches who, whether it's coaches making the sacrifice or coaches doing the right thing, whichever way you want to phrase it, I think the reality is, They've had this contingency plan in place for a little while. This isn't the same as Coach O, right, where it seemed it, it kind of came out of nowhere. This Rolovich situation has been building, 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 and built to a head, and then ultimately his head got popped off. He's, he doesn't have this job anymore. And then same with the other couple of assistants. So the difference for them is they don't have that support staff that Alabama has in terms of, you know, a, an army of coaches who could just step up into roles. But they do have – a, a team that has been somewhat mercurial, but at the end of the day, they, they know who they are. They know who their playmakers are. They know how to, and I mean, listen, here's the long and the short of it. Can we get the ball to Borgie? Get it to Borgie and then we're going to, and we'll make something happen. And I think with Delara and Borgie, they're going to find a way to make things happen. So it's going to be an interesting game, but the, 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 the key for me, and especially with an, a BYU team that is going to come in hot, you drop like they, oh man, they've got to be upset with how things have gone for them the last couple of weeks. A team that was what top 10 has now dropped out of that. And so this is going to be an interesting one for me because uh, you got one team reeling from on the field stuff and another team reeling from off the field stuff. Getting ready for the college football weekend. Michael Felder is with us here on Cofield and Company. I love when Vegas essentially laughs at the rankings because the rankings can be laughable at times. Oklahoma State, the number eight team in the country, goes on the road against a two-loss Iowa State team. They're getting a touchdown. 
They're getting yeah. seven, seven and a half in this one. Can the number eight team in the country pull off the upset against unranked Iowa State? I think they can. Uh, did a little stuff for uh, if you head over to watchstadium.com, you'll find a tape. Don't lie about Oklahoma State. And they're still doing all the same things they've done offensively before. They don't have a wide receiver like uh, what was it? James Blackman or uh, what's his name? Uh, Des Bryant. They don't have that type of wide receiver right now. And so they're trying to cobble together those yards down the field, but they're doing all the same things with layering um, from an offensive standpoint in terms of making the defense cover more space. That also helps them with the fact that they can get war in the football uh, in the run game, and he goes untouched until the till 12 yard mark on a couple of plays, which is really cool. But they're doing it with defense, and it was really interesting to hear Mike Gundy this week in his in his press conference to start the week, where he said, "Listen, this isn't the same team." where we knew we could beat people by 20 and we come out and we throw it around and our offense is cooking. We hit things are a little bit harder and a little bit different. And so every game they have to, every game they have to figure out who they are. And that's a different, that's different from being a team with an identity, right? Like an army, a Navy, an air force, you know what you're going to do every game. And if somebody takes you out of that, you're going to, they're going to beat you, but at least you know who you are uh, for Oak state. They know they've got a good defense. They play a lot of cover zero and this like zero bail where they play, um, tight coverage, but the linebackers bail into the hot route alleys and try to take the ball away. They do a lot of really cool stuff there. And so for me, I, I do think they can win. I'm very curious to watch Brock Purdy, who was a, what was he, a fringe first rounder, right? And now he's just not even being discussed as one of the best quarterbacks in the country. So right. seeing how he negotiates this defense that is confusing, because it's not like anything that you see on a week-to-week basis, how he navigates that. And can they get Brees Hall going on the ground? Those are all going to be interesting. But I think that Oklahoma State should get the win. Iowa State wins this. They go on to have, uh, you know, 10-3, and 11-2, and 9-4 season. Uh-huh. Good season. Matt Campbell will be coveted by USC, maybe Nebraska, yep. LSU. I mean, there's uh-huh. some massive jobs out there. Miami. Can he, should he resist the temptation to jump at – an opportunity to make eight, nine, ten million dollars a year at one of those schools. I think he should not resist that. I think he should stick. Like, the, here's the thing: if Ohio State had the potential of coming open, I would wait. But Ryan Day is a young coach. He's there. This is his job for the long haul. So, as a, and I'm saying this because Matt Campbell's a Midwest guy, and so if that's not going to be open. Michigan looks pretty sound right now. I think you stick. You, I think you have to figure out what's your next step because you can always come back and take the Michigan job, or you can always come back and take the Ohio State job. But if things go the way that his that history has told us about Iowa State, they might not want you anymore. And that's going to be that's the rough part when you look at the fact that every coach has been most coaches have been fired from there, not gotten new jobs. You have to you got to strike while the iron's hot, and right. so. I, 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 I like whether it's USC is the job. Whether I don't know if USC is the job he wants, or it's 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 LSU. Whatever it is, it's going to be a very interesting situation of him making a decision where he can elevate his career. I mean, unless he's a guy like Pat Fitzgerald that wants to stay there, and and that'll be interesting as well. Let's close on this. The job jumping thing is fascinating because you know successful coaches have to make the decision once they get uh, hot. To trot, right? They're a hot candidate. Yep. They have to make the decision. Uh, we've got UNLV and San Jose State here in town. San Jose State after winning the Mountain West last year. Tough job, yeah. San Jose State. Brent Brennan uh, was sought after. Uh, they're 3-4 and four this year. 
Like, I don't know if they're yeah. going to be above 500 the rest of his tenure. I I wonder what goes into the decision because I'm starting to think more and more. And, you know, there, there's family concerns. Like, he's got a, a son who's a freshman football player in high school. But I yeah. also – if I was a coach and I look at the current landscape, it's kind of sick to think this. Hey, what's my real risk in going to take a big job as long as I get – a $12 million buyout built in. If they want to blow me out after three years, now I've got generational money and I'm going to get another job back at the level I was at. Exactly. I think you hit the nail. You, you, you hit the coach in the program and the job and the money. You hit them all. You hit the nail on the head because he's a guy that could have probably got a job last year. Although last year we didn't have as many job openings as we're probably going to end up having this season. Uh, but yeah, he could have went and got a big payday, done his thing. And he stayed. Probably stay because he thought they were going to have a really special season this year. And then between the injury issues and obviously most notably Starkwall and, and, and not being able to to keep things cooking the way that they had been, it's going to be interesting to see where he not just ends up, but how he handles, manages his career because go taking on – like they San Jose State has to get a win against UNLV. I know this is a Vegas program and, yeah, rah-rah UNLV, but San Jose State has to get a win. They have to win. This is a team that they've lost games that a year they lost games that coming into the season we all had circled as dubs. If they lose another one of those games, they're like now he goes from he's a super coach. We want a conference championship, conference, conference championship to oh man, is he not getting the job done? And that that that's the part that always sits in the back of people's minds. What's on the menu this weekend? Oh, this weekend, man, we're doing a Friday night. We usually do burgers, but we're skipping burgers this weekend. And we're going to do crab cake sandwiches. Nice. Uh, nice. Made a little made a little crab cake ranch, too. So I got some ranch with a little bit of crab in there. So that'll be good. And then I think uh, I don't cook on Saturdays, but on Sunday, I think on Sunday, we're going to do steakhouse. So we're going to do like a steakhouse dinner, the whole big deal, steak fries, uh, the, 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 you know, obviously some New York strip and we're going to roll down with some, a little bit of, um, uh, maybe some either cream spinach or asparagus. So yeah, it's just like a classic, like steakhouse meal. Maybe I'll do some shrimp cocktail now that I'm thinking about it. Too. When, when you throw the steaks in the air fryer, about four seventy five. <laughs> Don't, Don't get mad. Don't get mad. That's very good. Uh, Michael, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, man. You take it easy. Michael Felder, Stadium at In the Bleachers on Twitter. He's a college football expert. You can hear him on podcasts with Learfield, Tape Don't Lie podcast. He is a great listener, and he's working all the time. He loves college football, a former college football player at the University of North Carolina. Silver Sevens on a Thursday. We got Thursday night football coming up. Not only UNLV and San Jose State tonight over at the stadium. That's an 8 o'clock start, but we got the big boys in the NFL. No Baker Mayfield tonight. Broncos taking on the Browns. And once the game starts, Thursday night football, and this is every NFL game at Silver Sevens, bottles of beer for 77 cents, Bud Light, Bud, McUltra, the place to watch football all the time is Silver Sevens right here on the corner of Flamingo and Paradise. Daily happy hour starts at 3 with beers, well drinks, and margaritas, just two seventy-seven. dollars Let's go! The Football Frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The Football Frenzy. On Cofield and Company. 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 Yep, let's get to some football headlines here at Silver Sevens. Uh, also coming off freaking great conversations with Xavier Pope and 
Michael Felder, our college football experts. Give me a little crunch, crunch. Hey, one thing to build on a react to, Candy, from the Felder convo, I was asking him about Matt Campbell, who's very highly regarded. Hell, the Lions offered him reportedly, a, a, I think it was a 10-year deal, or was it a 7-year deal, whatever it was. It was a $70 million deal to leave Iowa State and go to the Lions. He turned down the Lions to stay in Iowa State. Uh, a perennial losing program that has had its moments with different coaches. He's a good coach. Um and we got into that whole conversation of Campbell and Brennan, like Brennan, Brent Brennan, who's in town for this game, San Jose State against UNLV. I mean, you hit a peak. Most people are like, time to go. Uh, and Campbell didn't do that, and Brennan didn't do it. And I just asked Michael Felder what a guy like Matt Campbell should do. So say Iowa State finishes off the season. They do about what they were expected to do. They have two losses right now. So whatever. They go 9-4, and 10-3. They have a big season. USC, LSU. Miami, maybe Nebraska, all come calling, and they're offering them like eight, nine, ten million dollars a year. What do you do with this round of offers if you're Matt Campbell? If you're in Matt Campbell's position, I think you right now are at the peak of your value. I don't yeah. think it goes a lot farther than this. Iowa State was expected to be a national championship contender this year, and not being a national championship contender isn't a sin in and of itself. But not competing in 2021 with the current state of college football, that's a problem. That's a real problem if you don't take the talent that you had this year and turn that into the number three or number four team in the country that can get into the college football playoffs. So if you are going to make a move, if you're Matt Campbell, I don't know that it's going to get a lot right. better than it's going to get right. this offseason. Like, yeah, like Brock Purdy and Brees Hall ain't walking through that door next year. They're walking out the door uh, after this year. All right, we got a little basketball crossover with football here. We got the Ben Simmons story, which, by the way, we're going to catch up with a Philly guy, Harry Mays, in about 15 minutes. He's going to fill us in on the Eagles side of things, and uh, we'll definitely ask him at some point about Ben Simmons. Jason Kelsey is talking about Ben Simmons. I'm wondering why. I know they're in the same city, the center for the Eagles. What did he have to say? You know, Jason Kelsey kind of went this way in his availability, not necessarily being, uh, you know, asked directly about Ben Simmons, but he addressed the situation and said, I tell guys, you write your own narrative. I don't want to crush any other players, but what's going on with the 76ers, Ben Simmons, stuff like that, all of that is because of a lack of accountability, a lack of owning up to mistakes, and a lack of correcting things. If all that got corrected, if you're fixing free throws, if you're getting better as a player, none of this is happening. So everybody can bitch and complain about how tough this city is to play in, which is really where this came from. Just play better, man. This city will love you. And he started off the comment by saying, look, I, if I play well, they can't get on me. right? If I play well, nobody can say anything because I'm playing well. And you know, Jason Kelsey has certainly earned his credibility in that city from the Eagles' Super Bowl-winning team. And I don't know, man. If if the shots are coming from across town but essentially still inside the house from someone who knows the city of Philadelphia as well as you can know the city of Philadelphia, I know that's probably not going to affect Ben Simmons and his camp personally. But in combination with Daryl Morey going out there this afternoon and saying – this might drag on for weeks. This might drag on for months. This might drag on for years. Uh, the Sixers are digging their heels in, too. Yeah, my first reaction to Kelsey and Eagle talking about the Sixers would be mind your own business. 
Now he may really he may have a, a contact with the Sixers. He may know a lot about the situation. I think it's it's very dangerous in any situation. You know, if it were you know UNLV football talking about UNLV basketball talking about UNLV volleyball, um, you may think you know what's going on, but I, I would be careful. But I, I get your point. I get your point. Kelsey knows Philly, and he at least understands the the basics of the Philly athlete and the Philly fan and the Philly media. And if you're not gonna trust the word of someone like that then i don't know who in the current philadelphia sports landscape you're going to listen to uh coming up we got to get you uh, ready for uh, tonight's unlv game up against san jose state that is an eight o'clock start we've got the uh, pre pregame show going down at 6 30 the learfield pregame will happen at 7 30 but i i gotta get in a couple of nil notes and something really interesting that came out last night that i have really haven't seen anyone talk about from hbo real sports dustin dehart of nova home loans brings you the football frenzy dial 702-577-2600 now home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower get your mortgage tune up today by calling 577-2600 A lot of people that say it's a hard place to play. I think it's pretty easy, to be honest with you. You just go out there, play hard. You want to be loved in the city as a baseball player? Run to first base. They're going to love you. That's what it comes down to. I mean, if you go up here and make a bunch of excuses or when you uh, you know, aren't accountable if you're making mistakes or you're not getting better or anything like that, you know, they're going to crush you. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. Oh, boy. Now I can't talk about what I wanted to speak about. Hmm. Now, you know what? I'll stick to the plan. This will be a tease for tomorrow. I don't agree with what Jason Kelsey, the center of the Eagles, said right there. I think that's very layered about Philadelphia, that you just go out and produce and you're fine. Not always the case. Trust me. Not always the case. I grew up close enough to the area listening to enough sports talk radio there. Not always the case. They can be a bit selective with their persecution. And I'm not saying Ben Simmons doesn't deserve to be blasted in some ways, but uh, I'll leave that for tomorrow. Tease board, Ari. Actually, prep list tomorrow, Ari. Remind Cofield to react to Jason Kelsey speaking on maybe a subject he knows very little about, basketball. Um, boy, this month's Real Sports Candy is really good. I highly recommend it. Brian Gumbel had a great conversation with Demora Smith. Dynamite. Um, there was a, well, for me, it was a tearjerker late where they did a whole feature on uh, blind kids and athletics. Freaking awesome piece by Soledad O'Brien. In the middle, they did an investigation into the early returns on NIL, name, image, likeness. They featured the Cavender Sisters who are at Fresno State, and they've made a lot of money. They're going to make even more money. It was kind of interesting. Uh, they also featured one of the players on the Michigan defense with two other students at Michigan established a, kind of a go-between service that will help college athletes find agencies to build their brand. It's called A2A Sports, and it was funny. Uh, one of the kids, I think his name was Seth Sugar. He wasn't the football player, but he was having a conversation, and he's like, all right, we'll just send the contract back, and you're good to go. Then they show his screen, and guess who's on the screen? 
uh, UNLV quarterback, as they put it, Tate Martell. I was like, wait, okay, I didn't know this. So I'll have to look into it, but uh, Tate apparently signed at least the, well, I don't know if it came through. But uh, on the show, it it gave you the impression that he was working towards NIL, so we'll look into that. But we do know there are some NIL deals that just came down, or at least one that just came down, uh, and there's been a bunch. But another one, now in the world of college basketball, Kentucky, Ty Ty Washington, who was bound for Arizona, just got a deal with. A local Porsche dealership. Hello. Hello. A local Porsche dealership. (laughs) And I have no problem with it because it is long overdue for college athletes to be able to go out and make what they can make, whether that's on actual performance or on speculation. You go get yours. All I can think about when I see it is Jerry Tarkanian rolling over in his grave thinking about the things that got UNLV players in trouble over the years and what a different landscape today is and just how much flexibility, I'll call it, there might be even some pliability in the rules, but some flexibility in this new landscape that pretty much came out of a court ruling and some hasty decisions by the NCAA uh, there is in terms of compensating athletes. Fascinating stuff, and it's only going to get crazier. Are you disturbed by this? What's what's come down so far? No, I not can't at all. Be, right? No, not not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. Look, it, it, like there's some lawlessness, or like the, I'll tell you, the other thing they featured was a uh, the BYU booster slash uh, you know energy bar company owner who had spread I don't even know what the total was. I know they were handing out twelve thousand dollar checks to cover tuition for thirty six walk ons in BYU, and then the rest of the team each got two thousand dollars. I mean that that seems to be kind of pushing it. Miami's got a guy like that who's having him back a local MMA gym. We're okay so far with what we've seen? All we are seeing, Steve, is a lot of what used to happen in the dark happening in the light. That's it. This is not new. Don't look at this stuff and think you're seeing something brand new. You're just seeing it sanctioned. You're just seeing the $100 handshakes with press releases. That's it. This has always happened. It is now just being brought into legitimacy And frankly, it's allowing players to get a lot more than they would have in the past. There was going to be some hesitance from boosters to pay certain amounts when it came to getting a kid to go to a certain place, unless it's the cream of the crop. But these businesses realize that there's value that comes back to them. It's not just a matter of get the kid to the school, right? That's a lot of what we used to deal with. Now, if you're a Porsche dealership and you want to be affiliated with a Kentucky basketball player and you want to be able to use him in your advertising, well, that's good for the dealership, too. That's not the same thing as just being a big booster of the school who's trying to, you know, let's just say throw your clout around at the university. I, I totally agree. I'm not in the market to buy a Porsche, but, I, like, I'd be intrigued by just seeing the name. I might look up the dealership and just spend, like, five minutes dreaming looking at a Porsche, right? It might not lead to business for them, but it, it may for others who actually can afford a Porsche. Um, I need to win more bets. I need to win. That's the key to me getting a Porsche. Right now at William Hill, down here at Silver 7s, Browns are one and a half against the Broncos. Remember, no, no Baker Mayfield. It's Case Keenum starting, and the total is 40 and a half. At the William Hill Race and Sportsbook, sign up for the mobile betting app and get $50 added to your account. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. Back here at Silver Sands on a Thursday. Let's get into the Eagles and the Raiders. The Eagles fans are coming. 
We got Harry Mays on with us, longtime Sports Talk Radio voice out of Philly. Harry, let's start off with the big story of the week. What is the bigger deal, the Eagles right now or Ben Simmons? It's Ben Simmons, Steve, uh, and I don't even know if it's really close. I mean, it seems like it's been about two and a half weeks since the Eagles have taken the field, and it's it's <laughs> been, you know, they had this sort of mini buy after playing a Thursday night game against Tampa Bay. Uh, and they just absolutely got throttled. I know the score was not indicative of, of really the way that football game transpired. They ended up making it close and actually covered the number, but it was nowhere near close. The offense was anemic. Uh, we don't know what the quarterback is. We don't know what the head coach is. And, you know, here, here you are, you know, six weeks into an NFL season, you start to sort of figure out what a team is, you know, as far as their identity. We have absolutely no clue what this Philadelphia Eagles team is uh, six games in. And, you know, basketball season started. There's expectations with the Sixers. And uh, the whole fan base now is, you know, has got the, the gun turrets pointed at Ben Simmons, and rightly so. So how is this going to end with Simmons? You know, I think the NBA will probably have to come in here and and give some sort of indefinite suspension is my guess, because the Sixers suspended him for the first game because he was absolutely, you know, insubordinate in practice. Uh, Doc Rivers asked him to do some defensive drills. He he just said no. And Doc asked him again. He said no. And Doc kicked him out of practice. And then they suspended him for the first game, which we think was a contrived effort by him and probably his management saying that if you get suspended, you don't have to, A, meet with the media. He was scheduled to meet with the media that day after practice. So, A, that gets scrubbed. And then, B, you don't have to go on the road trip and just, you know, be with your team. But there's something in the collective bargaining agreement, I think, that prohibits teams from repeatedly suspending their players for the same things. So I don't know how they're going to keep him out of, you know, whatever they're doing today as far as a workout. They've got a home game coming up this weekend. They open up. Uh, the home schedule. There's no way he's going to be with the team for that game. Uh, so I would imagine, and unless Daryl Morey can pull off a trade here in the next couple of hours, he's probably going to get suspended again, maybe by the NBA. Is it true that Simmons put, uh, I don't know how many houses he has in the area, but his South Jersey home up on the market the other day? Yeah, he's actually had it up, I okay. think, and then took it off the market because he had to come back. To the team. Right. And then I, I just saw again that it's been put up again this week for about, I don't know, four or five million dollars. Uh, I also saw a rumor of the day that he got suspended. They were like, Ben Simmons is over at Delilah's Den, which, uh, yeah, I know Philly. So I've, I've been to <laughs> Delilah's Den. I was like, he was not he didn't go right to the strip club, did he? I have no idea, but I it wouldn't put I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, you know, there's been many a days in my other lives where <laughs> I take half the day off and then Delilah's. I mean, it's you know, I can't I can't fault him for that if that is true. It's a fine location right there in Spring Garden <laughs> exactly near, uh, right. near near Columbus. All right, so you got into the Eagles a little bit and not knowing what they are, but we, we got to be honest on the two and four start. I mean, their schedule has been really tough. Yeah, it has. I mean, they, you know they've. They've uh, won the games you kind of thought they could win against Atlanta. See, the real problem here, Steve, is they whipped Atlanta in week one and made it look easy. And I, you know, I was trying to warn people that, you know, Atlanta is not a good football team. Let's not get carried away. Uh, the Eagles and their new coach, Nick Sirianni, and his staff kept things very buttoned up during uh, – the preseason they didn't play the starters hardly at all you didn't see it was all straight vanilla you didn't start to see anything of what they wanted to do and how they wanted to utilize Hertz well in week one they kind of caught Atlanta you know by surprise because nobody had anything on film they do these workouts with the other teams these joint practices 
And it was really funny. They would they would count whether they won practice that day against the New England Patriots or the New York Jets uh, who came uh, to town. And then they'd be like, yeah, the Eagles won practice today. They're like two and oh this week in practice. Then they went out and got beat thirty five nothing in the game against New England in the preseason game. And we're like, what what are we doing here? Like like it was it was really mind boggling. So then when we see them come out against Atlanta and they're running the all pretty a pretty uh, flowing offense. You know, they got their rookie wide receiver, Devontae Smith, involved with his first catch, which was a touchdown. Hertz made an unbelievable play to find Goddard in the end zone for another one. I mean, they look pretty good. Then we see week two, and we're like, whoa, this wasn't the team that we, that we saw week one. And it, it kind of escalated from there. They wound up, found up wind, finding a way to beat Carolina in a pretty ugly offensive performance, too, where Hertz made a couple of plays late. They blocked a punt, which was key. They don't block that punt. They don't win that game. Uh, but offensively, it has looked really, really bad. They don't run the football. It's almost like they just don't want to give Miles Sanders uh, a chance. He had one rushing attempt in the game against Tampa the other night. I mean, that, that's I, I know the, the game has changed, and it's a passing league, but you got to at least show – the team you're playing that you're willing to run the football a little bit in order to be more balanced and succeed. It's a little weird too, that Sirianni had never actually called plays in the NFL and he's running the offense. Yeah, it really is. That was something that we kind of raised our eyes at, uh, you know, once we found out that he was going to be calling the plays, uh, Shane Steichen is the offensive coordinator, but he doesn't do the, the play calling. And we're like, wow, this is, you know, this guy's putting a lot on his plate for, you know, for never having done it at this level. So it's not working yeah. out thus far. And the weird thing on Steichen, and just so you know, he's a UNLV guy. He was a backup quarterback at UNLV uh, right. years ago. I, I mean, he was with the Chargers. I think he was calling the plays. I don't think it was Anthony Lynn exclusively. And the Chargers had a pretty good offense last year. It's weird. If I, if I could post the win total again, say six and a half, right? They're two and four right now. Would you bet the over on the Eagles? I mean, they got five games left against the NFC East. Yeah. Yeah, I probably would. In fact, when, when we did the sort of the win-loss thing before the season, as every sports radio host is wont to do, Steve, uh, I had them at 7 and uh, what seven and 10 because they're playing 17 games. You know, having the Jets on the schedule, having the Detroit Lions on the schedule, even though they're road games, are, is really, you know, those are very winnable games. And like you said, the NFC East outside of Dallas is not good again this year. So I could see them at least splitting uh, with Washington and the Giants. All right, let's talk about this matchup against the Raiders. The Eagles at 2-4 and four are very short dogs on yeah. the road against the Raiders. What do you think of the Raiders, and can the Eagles win this game? I think the Eagles can win this game, if, you know, if they really – devote themselves to at least running the football somewhat. I mean, Miles Sanders, give him double-digit carries. Uh, the Raiders are not very good against the run. I think they're like 25th in the league uh, against the run, so they are vulnerable there. They do love to pass the ball. I mean, I think the Raiders can, you know, you know, can move the football on the Eagles. But, you know, in order to win this game, you know, their quarterback's going to have to make a couple of plays with his legs, and he's very capable with that. They've got some good wide receivers. Dallas Goddard is a very good tight end. Of course, no more Zach Ertz as, as he's now in Arizona, which we kind of figured would eventually happen. But Goddard is a really good football player. He got uh, activated from that COVID list today, so he's going to be a go. The one big question is this offensive line has been in tumult again this season, and it hasn't just been because of injury. Elaine Johnson had a couple of weeks where uh, he was away from the team, uh, had some uh, – some depression and anxiety issues, and he is now back with the football team. They're going to make their mind up tomorrow whether he's going to play or not. He's been practicing 
a little bit this week, but uh, still don't know whether he's going to play. If he plays that, you know, he goes back to right tackle and then they can move Jordan Mailata back to his rightful position of left tackle. And Mailata has been out of sorts on the right side. So if they can get Lane Johnson back, uh, that'll be uh, a, a big thing for them shoring up that offensive front. Harry Mays with us, one of the great radio voices in Philadelphia. He does the uh, middle show, 11A to 1 o'clock. Uh, that's Eastern time. Uh, he also, you got your golf podcast. You do yeah. the uh, pre and post on uh, Fox Sports, The Gambler, which is a local station, which, by the way, I, that concept to me is freaking dynamite in Philly. Isn't it great? Yep. Yeah. Back to Lane Johnson for a second. Uh, you know, kind of a touchy subject here. I wonder, you know, Philly's known as a tough town, but they love Lane Johnson. Um, has most of the feedback on Lane Johnson need to step aside for a while for mental health? Has it been positive or have fans been kind of vicious about it? No, it's been real positive, Steve. Uh, you know, we had this issue with Brandon Brooks, of course, who's now hurt again. Uh, but he's when he's uh, healthy, he's a really good, one of the best guards in the league. He had the same issue a few years ago and had to take a little time away from the team, miss some games. And the fan base was uh, very understanding when it came to that. I think, you know, they appreciate the – it sort of humanizes these guys uh, to, a, to a great degree because, you know, many of the fans go through the same thing, especially with what everybody's been forced to go through in this country over the last 18 to 20 months. So I think the fan base has been really understanding when it came to uh, this issue. Are they understanding with Jalen Rieger? <laughs> good, that's a good one. No, not, not <laughs> yeah, so much. Yeah. And I'm kind of leading that charge as best I can because I was so – I was apoplectic on draft night, Steve, when I saw the Minnesota Vikings war room basically high-fiving and kissing one another when the Eagles passed on Justin Jefferson to take Jalen Ragor. I mean, that, that was Jefferson was the guy that I had in my little mock draft oh, for man. what that was worth. And uh, so he has been – to say he's underperformed is a, is a massive understatement. Are you buying Jalen Hurts as a longtime franchise guy at quarterback? No, absolutely not. I think he's got he's a good player. There's a lot of intangible things that he brings that I really love. He's a great leader. Uh, he's you know, he's one of these guys that you know puts the work in. Uh, you know, the work ethic cannot be questioned. His teammates really like him and his teammates really sort of step up for him. And, and that was something that we noticed over the years with Carson Wentz, where when uh Foles would go into the game, for example. You would see a difference in the rest of the team, you know. And then when Carson went back in, it, it you know, they, they didn't seem to sort of have that same chemistry, if you will. The same happened when Hertz came in last year uh, towards the end of the season when they all knew the season was, was a loss. The team really stepped up and, and rallied around the kid. He has that effect on his teammates, which I really like. But he's very inaccurate. Uh, don't believe the completion percentage numbers that are much higher than they were uh, last season. They're throwing three-yard passes, Steve. I mean, this offense, you know, thus far, I mean, unless they break out something new on Sunday in, in Las Vegas, it's a it's a very close-to-the-line-of-scrimmage type offense for, for the most part. So his numbers are inflated that way. And But, in fact, the last two weeks have really gone the opposite way. For the first four weeks, he was trending to, like, 28 uh, touchdowns, eight interceptions, you know, 4,500 yards. Now, if you look at the projections, it's like 21 and 11 and under 4,000 yards. And the uh, percentage completion percentage is way down. He's been in the 40s and 50s in the last two games. We're live here at Silver 7s on a Thursday. Harry Mays, uh, one of the great voices of uh, Sports Talk Radio in Philly, is with us. Last couple things on the Eagles as the Eagles are coming to town. Their fans are coming to town. That should be freaking yeah. awesome going up against <laughs> our, our Raiders here in Las Vegas. Uh, rumors now Miami's getting closer to trading for Deshaun Watson. 
why isn't Philly maybe they are maybe we're not hearing about it should Philly jump in front and grab Deshaun Watson Oh, Philly's tried. Uh, you know, Howie Roseman, you know, you can say a lot of things about him, but the one thing he does is, you know, he works the phones, you know, uh, pros and cons. And he's been talking to Houston, in fact, had been talking to them over the offseason, uh, knowing that they might have an, a plethora of, of high draft picks to offer. Uh, they, they, that kind of cooled when it came out that Deshaun Watson apparently wouldn't waive his no trade to come to Philadelphia. Uh, he had always favored Miami and maybe another destination or two, but Philadelphia was not one of those. So everything kind of cooled off again. I think Howie, you know, sort of tried to stoke it up again now, knowing that it's getting close to actually being done. But I don't anticipate them pulling off a deal, but it's not because they haven't tried. Would there be blowback in the market bringing in Watson with all the stuff hanging over his head? Yeah, I think there definitely would. I think there's going to be wherever he goes to, to a degree. You know, we'll see how this all plays out. Uh, you know, legally. But there was blowback when Mike Vick, you know, was acquired by Jeffrey Lurie years ago after he served his time. Uh, And, you know, if you come back and do the right things and, you know, be a good guy and play good football, uh, people tend to forget about that. But there would be blowback initially. There's no doubt about it. Let's close on this. Raiders three, total is 49. What's your pick on the game? Oh, boy. I, you know, I'm going to take I'm going to take the Raiders here. I think the, I was really impressed with what they did against Denver uh, last week, given all the circumstances that uh, played out before that game. I was impressed uh, with what they did. And I, I just think that right now that this Eagles team is not that they're not overly talented. They're not getting a good enough pass rush. Um, you know, their defensive ends have underperformed. The only guy playing on defense really is Hargrave week to week. Fletcher Cox is not what he once was. Every now and then he can he can uh, you know turn it up, but it's not a consistent enough pass rush. And I think the Raiders will put up enough points to win by at least four. Harry, before we let you run, uh, you're doing a golf podcast on iHeart. Tell people in Vegas about it. Yeah, it's called Swing It and Ding It. We're up to episode 66. It's a weekly thing. We got some good sponsors, and I, I, I was a guy. I'm a guy who loves golf. And Steve, I was always told by my program directors, if you start talking golf. A, they're going to turn off the radio, and B, you might not make your next contract. Oh, so wow. I, I, I listened to that, and I found a way to do it, uh, you know, in a podcast form. So it's a, it's a hell of a lot of fun. That was awesome. We appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. See ya. There he is, Harry Mays, Sports Talk host out of Philadelphia. Let's do a giveaway right now. I'm going to be out with Fox Sports Radio this Sunday after the Raiders game. Four to seven, the after-game party, the spot is Crazy Horse Three Gentlemen's Club right across the street from the Owl. Walk over. You got a ticket, free admission, happy hour prices on the food and drinks. And what we're going to do right now is set up three of our listeners with a table, a bucket of beer, and free admission for four. So even if you don't go to the game, you can come on down and party after LVR is done with Philly. Call her 678-364-1100-364-1100. VIP package is going out for the Fox Sports Radio. After party at Crazy Horse 3 Gentlemen's Club. Talk to Ari. He'll hook you up. 364-1100. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co.